0: Scott, the great Scott show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed
1: by the great Scott show, the champion
0: with Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody. And welcome back into the great Scott show. We are starting the eight o'clock hour a little later than normal, a little late, but it's still going to be great because after that conversation with Brandon Stokely, Got another great guest right now, my friend from KTC-TV3, the sports director at KTC-TV3. You all know him from Seth Lewis Incorporated. That would be Mr. Seth Lewis joining us now, the uh, Monday of Super Bowl week. And, you know, Seth, I know we're going to talk about a lot of sports here, but uh, I always get a little down whenever, like, the Super Bowl ends because it's like football's gone for a while. And then, yeah. and then, you know, my work, like ironically is like, well, not really ironic. I guess people that don't work in the business would know, but it's like, it's like, it's like the busiest time of year. So like the end of football always, it's like one point on one hand, like football's over on the other. I'm not going to be sleeping at all. Cause it's going to be extremely busy. Um, and I don't know, it's like a combination of all those things. So. I'm trying not to uh, think think about past this week. I'm trying to just focus on this week, everything that's going to unfold, and on the football, on the diamond for softball, right? Hoops, all that. And just, you know, I think I, you're such a positive, optimistic guy. Maybe on a Monday, people might be feeling a little down. We're just bringing you in to give us all a pickup. What do you say?
1: Look, man, the Super Bowl should be lit. <laughs> like, that's what I'm focused on, uh, is the Super Bowl. We talked... Um, at times about crossover season, Um, the time of year when basketball is playing at the same time as baseball and softball. And it's a busy time, um, and it's a lot of events all at once, but it's very fun, too. And, you know, of course, that's coming up with softball, um, college softball coming back this week. But, man, the Super Bowl, it should be great, man. And, I mean, there's just so much, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but there's just so much potentially on the line, you know, people love to look at the quarterbacks. Um, For Matthew Stafford, you know, he can rewrite pretty much his history in one game, you know, because he's been with such a loser franchise um, in the Lions for so long that, you know, now if he wins the Super Bowl, some of his stats and some of the things that he's accomplished is looked at in a different light, whereas Joe Burrow is on the verge of putting himself i mean he's already a legend but like really cementing himself as a legend I'm not saying that he's going to the hall of fame if he retires this year but he will be a legend forever if he is able to win a super bowl and win a national championship super bowl and heisman in the midst of three years
0: well no one's ever done it ever no quarterback anyway no quarterback has ever won a heisman a national championship and a Super Bowl. A few other players have done it. I think Marcus Allen did it, Reggie Bush, even though the Heisman place will claim that he doesn't have one. We all know he won one. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's never been done by a quarterback, and he has a chance to do it in, like, uh, you know, a 25-month span, which is which is wild. But that's a great teaser because I do want to circle back to the Super Bowl, but I want to end talking Super Bowl with you. I want to get your thoughts, um, Seth, first on – you mentioned softball, like, I, you know, I'm I'm talking to Coach Glasgow tomorrow morning here on the show, but there's there's some I guess it, would you say that when was the last time you went into a season with I guess I think they're going to be really good, so this isn't where I'm going with the question, but like where there were this many questions that still need to be answered, right? Because they're very young, right? I, I it feels mm-hmm. like who's going to step up? Like, what's the last UL softball season? You felt like when it started, there was this many questions that you're like, you know what, they're not answered yet. It's we're, we're, Maybe we'll find out in two weeks. Maybe we'll find out in two months. I don't know, but there's still a lot of questions right now with this
1: team. Uh, the honest question is it's probably Glasgow's first season because there was just so much uncertainty with, with the girls that transferred out and then some of the girls that transferred in, like Alyssa Dalton. And then, like, that was the first year that Summer Ellison broke out. And so, like, you know – I know Ellison had played limited or played a little bit the year before, but nothing like what it was when she came out and was an ace from that point until um, she left um, this previous season. And so um, that's probably the last time that there was that much question. And that team was a good team, but like it had its uh, its limits, right? Like it, it had um, some holes that they had to fill and they did fill them the next year and, Um, and and Glasgow needed to get on campus and really have a full year and off-season and everything to work with the girls, and you saw the difference. You really did see the difference. And um, I will say that this team, I believe, is in a better position than that team. Um, You know, when you talk about the position players and then you talk about, you know, uh, the, the starters necessarily returning from last year, it might not sound like a great number, and then it's like, but you get Raina O'Neill back, who was an all-conference player a couple years ago. And then you get Taylor Roman back, who was, I believe, an uh, all-Sunbelt freshman or something of that nature a couple years ago, if, that, if that's a thing in softball. I'm, I'm forgetting now, but she was one of the better freshmen in the Sunbelt um, that year, a couple years ago. And, like, some of those people are coming into the fold. Um, you got some transfers that are coming in that, you know, we don't really know a whole lot about. But what we can say is um the transfers that have come into the Cajuns over the last few years have done really well. They've left their imprint uh, on the team. You, don't, you you can look no further than somebody like an Alyssa Dalton who was obviously a longstanding um transfer, but when you start talking Sierra Bryan, um and, and Justice Mills and, and people like that, Caitlin Alderink, um the transfers have worked out and it's transfers from big time schools that played in big time games that'll be filling some of these holes. The biggest question mark is pitching and that's gonna be where most of the eyeballs are, um, to see who's on the other side of Kendra Lamb in the starts.
0: I you know, in terms of talent, you only see uh Kandra and, and Ray O'Neill and, and Sophie Piscos as the three preseason all Sunbelt players uh, if I mean it's not like you can bet on this on a sports book or anything but Seth I'd bet anybody they have more than three for the um, all Sunbelt teams that come out in a few months when the regular season's done.
1: Absolutely and I think I would if I had to place a bet on somebody I would bet that Carly Heath is one of those people that would be on that list in some capacity uh, by the time the year is over because she was she was pretty hot by the time the year ended last year. Like she was really getting it going um, in that lineup. And yeah, I would expect big things for her. It won't be just three for the Cajuns. That's for certain.
0: Seth Lewis, our guest ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports It's the great Scott show Uh, baseball a week from Friday. So we still, you know, have a little ways to go. I'm going to talk to coach Deggs next week, next week for a one-on-one. I know you've talked to him and, and covered the team and, Deggs is um he's not the type to I mean first of all he's always intense. He's not the type to say, you know, we're going to we're going to take some time, you know, I don't want to put too much. No, he he comes out and he's like, "Oh, we're a regional team. You know, I have no doubt about it. You know, we're going to fight and claw and do everything we can and we're going to be a wolf pack." And you hear him talking and it's like that's that's the expectation level for him. And that's the expectation level I think for the program do you Do you see the Cajun baseball team as a regional team? because I think even though there's a lot of new faces and and there's questions as far as all right, what's your rotation going to look like pitching?" I mean, Jay has told me multiple times and, and other people that cover this team closely, it's going to be the most athletic team, maybe ever, certainly one of the most athletic teams in the history of Cajun baseball. Uh, again, we talk about questions there, there There still needs to be some that that have to be you know that have to be answered. But do you do you see this as a regional team? And if they're anything less than that, is it a disappointment this year?
1: I think that they can be a regional team, right? Um, I think that baseball can sometimes be a little bit difficult to predict in that. Because, like, for example, if you don't go on a run like the 2014 team, let's say, um, you have to win the Sunbelt Tournament to get bids. I'm not... Uh, I'm trying to remember how many bids that the Sun Belt's been getting lately, but to my knowledge, it has been one. With the, the last,
0: the last two years, yeah, the last couple of years, it hadn't been great. Now it used to be multiple, and there've been there've been times sure. in the past where UL you know, was in that large bid and and wasn't you know the number one team in the country like they were in 2014. But to your point, I think as a whole, when you look at the Sun Belt and what it's done as a conference in baseball the last couple of years. Um, it's been a it's been a win the tournament type deal. Is that gonna be the case this year? I don't know. I do think that exactly. you know, when you have the new additions, um, likely in, you know, next year, um, but but possibly the year after. But I think I think Southern Miss James Madison, that whole crew, I think they're coming this summer. They're just waiting to, you know, dot a few more I's and, and lowercase J's, cross a few more T's. But I do think that's gonna help the conference. But yeah, I guess if it's a if it's a one bid league that that's certainly that certainly makes things a little bit more risky, right? Um so to your yeah. point, you're you're basically saying, look, I need to know more about the Sunbelt as a whole before I can think about this team and whether or not, you know, they're 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 a regional team or not.
1: And here's the facts, right? They won thirty nine games last year, won the Sun Belt West, finished in the semifinals. They were a runaway. Like that was a that was a really close game and an intense game that really could have gone either way with, I believe, South Alabama in that semifinal. Um so they they were a run or two away from being in the championship game. And then if you're in the championship game, then, you know, who knows at that point. Um, but I would believe that this team is better. And in uh, my conversation with with, uh, with Coach Diggs, you know, my question was, you know, coming off of 39 wins and a, and winning the Sun Belt West, that's nothing to be ashamed about, right? Like that's that's pretty good accomplishment. Is that something you're looking to build off of, or, is, or do you look at this season more as a fresh start? And without hesitation, it was that those are not our goals. <laughs> that's not that's not what we're here to do. As you heard him say uh, in media uh, on Media Day, um, we are a regional team. Like that is the expectation. And I think this team is better. I think there's questions to be answered. Um, you know, when you talk about it, it's funny because UL softball lost a lot of experience, and yet I know still a lot of the talent that they have returning as well as have heard about some of the people that have transferred in. And I mean even if it comes down to you know somebody like a Kendra Lamb having to carry it like a Summer Ellison has had to do at points um obviously she had Kendra last year and that was huge. Um but at points she's had to carry it like the cages will be fine in the sunbelt, right? Like they'll be fine in the sunbelt, they'll be ranked uh they'll be in a regional That may not be the recipe to host in a regional, but they'll be in a regional. Um, For baseball, um, they probably have a few more guys returning and still there's questions because you wonder how guys have developed too. Like you want to see how people have developed. And, And the early season schedule, some of the games are really going to tell you a lot about this team. When they're playing against a top 15 team in UC Irvine, that's going to tell you a lot about what they have to offer when they go to round rock and they're playing teams like an Arkansas, who was the number one team um, at one point last year uh, when they're playing opponents like a Stanford who's had success in the past, obviously they're going to play LSU. They're going to play a Louisiana tech team that was um, in the top 16 and hosted a regional la- um last year. Like they're going to play some really good teams early on and there's, and they're going to be battle tested and, 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 no matter what comes from it, the thing that the Cajuns have to hope for is they can lose all those games. Like, you don't want to. But, like, they can lose all those games as long as they're getting better in the process and getting um, in the right shape for Belt baseball. That's all that really matters. But if they're able to win some of those games, 50%, 60% of those games, that's going to say a lot about just how good this team is. And then it's almost scary season. Because if they're that good now, just imagine what they could be by the time
0: May rolls around. ESPN Lafayette best ticket in sports. Seth Lewis, our guest, good stuff there. Let's shift gears, talk hoops for a moment, uh, Seth. Gary Broadhead squad, Bob Marlin squad. I know that <clears throat> you know watching the men's team this year, it's been it's it's like that that pendulum swinging back and forth. You just don't know each night what you're going to get. And I think that's the frustrating thing for many and in, in, in the fans at times. And you see a guy like a Jordan Brown who was, uh, you know, he has. I mean, the ceiling's so high. But right, is the defense going to be there tonight? Is this other part of it? There's, there's aspects of this team that when they're clicking, you see how good they can be. And then there are other times they come out and you just see them, you know, they miss a bunch of free throws late in the game and they fall by one. Right, the frustration level. It seems like it's it's back and forth. And, and I'll talk to Coach Barlin tomorrow. You know, last week he said it's it's been extremely frustrating in terms of the seasons he's coached. Uh, and they're coming off a week, you know. They looked really, really good on Thursday. And then, you know, they, they fell on the road Saturday to a team that's – you know, they beat in overtime earlier this year, a good team in Arkansas State. But I don't know, man. I, I People ask me my thoughts on it, and I usually just say up and down, right? That's kind of the feel of this team. They're up and down. They – you feel like in the Sun Belt, they could beat any team and they could lose to any team in the conference. Like, that's – that's, and you could say, oh, that's any night in the Sun Belt this year. But I'm just talking specifically about the Cajuns, right, in terms of mm-hmm. their play. Mm-hmm. They're a team that, that, home or road, could beat any team in the Sun Belt. Home or road, could lose to any team in the Sun Belt. That's this year's Cajuns to me.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean – and it's weird to call them up and down at this point, right, because they've lost six of their last eight. So I don't even – more down than up.
0: Lately, um, sure, yeah. this very second. Yeah.
1: Um, and yet, you know, they're deep. They're like, you know, like that doesn't change anything, the fact that they've lost six of their last eight. They, they, they are a deep team. They are a team that, like, if you lose a guy here or a guy there, uh, as long as it's, as long as it's not maybe Jordan Brown or Kuba or maybe like a Kobe Julian, like he should be okay because there are guys. But the the flip side of maybe sometimes having depth is the fact that um, there aren't. They don't really have a, a star at guard. They don't have a guy right now that you trust per se to go and get that last shot. Kobe Kobe's been okay, but. Um, You know, when you talk about post players, post players aren't usually the ones late in late game situations that you're giving the ball to and saying, hey, go make a play for me. It's guys like Cedric Russell, which I believe I've, I've brought up on this program before. Like, they miss somebody like a Cedric Russell this year. For sure. Because win, lose, or draw, you could give him the ball. You don't have to run and play, and you can just say, hey, go make it happen. Give him a screen. Give him an iso and he's going to be able to um, to drive and get the shot that he wants or kick to who, who he needs to kick to in order to make the right basketball play. And you miss somebody like that this year, and I think somebody like him is the difference in them being, I believe, five and six right now in the Sun Belt, and maybe uh, not even six and five, like uh, seven and four, eight and three. Like he makes that much of a difference just because – there's some late game things that he's able to do. And, and so this team could get hot. Like this team could absolutely get hot. This team um, can get, you know, five, six guys and double figures, but this team could also crash out.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And that's a little bit of the scary part um, about the team. And so you don't know what to expect from a night to night basis. Uh, I know, Winning only one of four in that homestand was really disappointing. Um, if you were looking at what they could potentially do in the standings and whatnot. And, uh, and so for them, it, it seems like all the attention would be, all right, well, we just need to be at our best by the time the tournament comes around, because they can make a run. They can beat anybody in this conference. But, I don't think there is any, yeah, I just, a dominant one like we've seen in the past like from a Georgia State or something like that. Like they could, like but
0: that. yet if they've done nothing to make you feel like they they will. It's like that's the exactly. conundrum, right? They could because you see yeah. the talent, but they haven't done anything to this point. And I know that all the teams have been dealing with you know, not having a consistent lineup. I think, I think ultimately this team is going to go as far as their guard play takes them. Um yep. and you know, we'll see what happens come tourney time. But uh they got some yep. you know, they got they got the the Texas schools coming in this week to the Cajun Dome and then three of their last four on the road and then it's off to Pensacola where uh where it all goes down. On the women's side of things, Seth, uh, and then we're gonna get into football talk, but you know, coach brought in his squad, that was an absolute heartbreaker last Thursday against Little Rock. Um, I, I, they came roaring back. They took a late lead, and then the Trojans took another one, and, and the Cajuns couldn't get it done. But they bounced back. They they looked really strong on Saturday, and I think for Gary Broadhead's squad, you know, they only lost one game in conference last year, and it was the conference championship game in the tournament. Um, I know that they're they're not perfect in conference play this year, but when you got the experience with Ty Duce, I mean, in terms of who could possibly win the conference tournament on the women's side of things, there's probably about three schools that you would list, maybe four, but Louisiana is definitely one of them.
1: Absolutely. I mean, it's Louisiana, it's Troy, and then, you know, a team like a Little Rock.
0: Just based on their style of play.
1: Yeah, yeah. To to You know what I mean? like they, Sure. Just the way that they play. Uh-huh. Like, I don't think they really have a chance this year, but, like, they can kind of – you know, make some things happen. I mean, obviously app state gave them some trouble up there um, in boom, but yeah, I mean, and it's funny because I would say that obviously UL women's basketball has had a lot more success this year uh, than the men are, have been have been more consistent. We'll say um, than the men. And yet I think that it's going to ultimately come down to the same thing for them too, which is guard play. You know, it's, that's, that's what it's ultimately going to come down to, like who can make the big shots. And they have a few. Like when you talk about Lene Wheaton, um, even even though it was in a loss, man, she got cooking against Little Rock. I mean, uh, she scored 10 of her 14 points in the fourth quarter to give them the lead. And I think it was 10 of the 15 points that UL had in that quarter. Uh, And then you talk about somebody like a Maymay Holman. It's a lot of guards that can score off the dribble, pull-up jumpers, get to the rack. Um, outside shooting is always going to be very interesting because that's just not how this team is, is built. Um, they are more built um, to get into the lane, um, to get baskets, and then to obviously um, get, it to, uh, get it to Ty, uh, who can do work inside and has been um, really great on both ends of the floor, to be honest. Um, and, but it's going to come down to guard play for them, too. Because once you get in the tournament time, it's similar to the playoffs. Like everything is hyper-focused. Everything, the attention to detail is greater. Even though it's in a tournament setting and it's day by day and you know, you're know you playing one day and then playing the next day, there is still more of a focus. And teams are going to say, well, we're not letting Ty beat us. This is potentially the, the conference player of the year. We're not going to let her beat us. it got to be somebody else has got to do it. And so um, as far as they go, is it's, it's going to be Maymay. Um, it's going to be Lene. It's going to be Diamond. Um, it's going to be some of those uh, – Diamond Morrison. Uh, it's going to be some of those girls and their ability um, to hit shots and to be composed on situations and whatnot. And then, of course, and I didn't mention Destiny Rice, but um, Destiny Rice, honestly, I think is probably – the second most valuable player on the team um, other than Ty because her presence and, like, she just – like, she gets it as a point guard. Like, I just love, like, watching her leadership on the court. Like, she just is a really good leader, and she's calming. Like, she's not – I don't want to compare to Chris Paul, but, like, I just see the way she's able to grab and talk to people, and yet they respect her. Um and and she's able to command like it just it just it resembles any time you think of a a, of a really commanding point guard like a chris paul like a sue bird so on and so forth um but it's going to come down to guard play ultimately for ul women's basketball if they are to win the tournament um and go to the ncaa tournament all
0: right real quick seth we're up against it for this break then i got to talk pels and uh and and super bowl with you but LSU hoops wanted to get on that before uh, before we hit up the break. Man, I mean, what, they Man. they they seem to be rolling there for a while. Now they've lost six of seven. I mean, TCU, Ole Miss, yeah, okay, but then you go to Vanderbilt, who was like what five hundred, and you're losing by nine. You, you never. I mean, you're down what nineteen coming out of the half. It. Ne- What's happening with this team right now?
1: It seems like, and I, and to be honest, you know. Uh, to you, uh, I would say the same thing for UL. Uh, after a couple of the uh, of the players got sick with COVID and different injuries, it's just certain people have come back and they just haven't looked the same. And I don't know what exactly it is, but you know, so on and so forth. With LSU, at least the beginning of the losing streak, you can say, well, they lost their guards. Um, I mean, it's just that simple, you know. Like Adam Miller is a guy that transferred from Illinois, and he's been out all season. And, like, he was supposed to be one of your lead guards. Okay, cool. Well, you have Xavier Pinson, and then Xavier Pinson gets hurt. And then um, I feel like I'm, I'm forgetting another guard, but those were your two main guards, and they just weren't the deepest there. And so it's kind of pretty simple as far as the first part of it was they lost their guards, their offense wasn't able to roll. Because for the longest, their defense was still holding it down. They just couldn't score buckets. It just couldn't run offense. Like the offense just struggled, and now uh, it just seems like I don't know. I don't know if it's a if it's confidence that's broken, um, or it's just a, a disjointedness uh, from not playing together and whatnot. Um, but winning is contagious. So is losing. And sometimes when you when you do it often enough, uh, you just continue to find ways to lose. You mentioned Ole Miss. Ole Miss was not a good good loss. That was a bad loss, too, mm-hmm. along with Vanderbilt. That was, I think they were second to last in the, uh, in the SEC uh, when they came in LSU, and they stumped them to start. You know, LSU had to climb their way out of the hole. Same with, same with Vanderbilt. They had to climb their way out of the hole. Maybe it's a little impressive that they were able to climb themselves out of holes, but, like, if they don't get in those holes in the first place, they probably win both of those games. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think there's still a tournament team. At this point, I don't think they're at risk of that. But um, they need to figure it out, and they need to figure it out fast because um, they won't be – they're not they are not a top 25 team right now. And um, now you start talking about you're hovering in the 8-9 line, and you don't want to get too much lower than that. That's for certain.
0: Seth Lewis, KTC-TV3 Sports Director, our guest right now. We'll take a quick timeout when we come back. How about those Pelicans? Three straight road wins. They are now – in the 10th spot in the Western Conference, after starting 3-16, and 16, there's still basketball to be played, but they're playing some good ball down in NOLA right now in Super Bowl 56. We alluded to it earlier, talked a lot about it in the 7 o'clock hour with Brandon Stokely. There is some Louisiana ties in this game as well. Seven players with Louisiana ties. We're going to get into all of that. You don't want to go anywhere. The great Saskatchewan on a Monday continues right after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We can
1: point them out. So if you got something on your mind, let it out.
0: Welcome back into the great Scott show. Got about 10, 15 minutes left here. Seth Lewis is in the house. Sports director, KTC TV three. If you missed any of this morning's show, my conversation with Brandon Stokely, we'll have that up for you on the website a little later this morning. And we will also be uh, putting up this in this conversation right here with seth lewis from tv3 sports director at seth lewis inc on twitter if you want to give him a follow there that's inc is in inc incorporated i mean the man's running his own seth lewis corporation can you blame him (laughs) let's talk uh before we get into super bowl uh the pelicans i i've been saying for months pretty much since november i didn't think we were going to see zion williamson play this year I still don't feel that way. If they do, cool, it'd be it would be nice, it would be fun. But with that injury, I'm at this point you just got to roll like it's not going to happen. Having said that, Seth, the trade deadline's coming up. The Pels appear to be in the mix. They want to make a move, and right now they're moving up in the standings. I get that they're not competing for a top spot in the Western Conference. I get they have a losing record, but after starting 3 and 16, you know, in they're, they're 10th place in the West would get you into play-in game. There's over two months left in the basketball season. Brandon Ingram's not in the all-star game, but he's certainly playing like an all-star. Uh, they're 500 when he does play and considerably better, you know, the in the calendar year 2022 than 2021. My point is this. Willie Green took over as head coach and said, listen, we're going to look a lot different, you know, come January, February than we do now. I'm a new coach. We got some players, and then you throw in the Zion wrench when the season starts, and you realize you 're not going to have them. Willie said they'd be playing better. Willie has kept his end of the deal he's done a great job as the head coach, and this team, while i don 't see them you know winning a playoff series or anything this year, Seth, what do you and I just want to see? We want to every every year it's stop and go, stop and go all right let 's just go back like there's there's been no continuity of something positive happening in years with this franchise. And dare I say, knock on wood, Seth, it feels like finally they're trending upward and it's not just because they won the draft lottery or they're getting a player. It's because of what they are doing on the floor and, you know, the win against Denver on Friday, the win against Houston last night. I really enjoy watching this team play, Seth.
1: Yeah, I think the coolest thing is when you knock on wood, you're knocking on wood for injury. You're not knocking on wood for continuity or for understanding of the game or anything like that, which is awesome because you can see how much this team loves each other. Like, you can see how much this team roots for each other. And they talk about it on the broadcast and stuff like that. But it's those things. It's, it's the people clapping and cheering and doing different celebrations on the bench for everybody. It's not just for B.I., uh, it's not just for Josh Hart, it's for everybody. And, like I said, you can tell the love and the continuity and the connectedness that Willie Green has brought. You hear people talk about him. Um, or You hear different players do interviews, like uh, listening to Josh Hart on, on J.J. Reddick's podcast, listening to Brandon Ingram sometimes after games and whatnot. Like, they all credit uh, just him and him bringing in the culture shift. This is uh, – it, it seems like this – his mantra, his ability is what David Griffin has been envisioning this whole time as far as the fabric and the being and the, all of that stuff um, that was getting old for a second. But, um, you know, maybe it's maybe it's working now. Um, but, yeah, man, they're fun. They're fun to watch. And they're fun to watch because, you know, they, they try hard. They have a lot of guys um, who give great effort. And, um, uh, I mean, like, you, you, and you got guys that's easy to root for. You talk about somebody like a Herb Jones, who, I mean, he's hit as many threes at this point than, um, than he did in his entire time at Alabama. I mean, he was completely a, a, a defensive guy.
0: Rookie of the Alabama. year. Herb Jones for president. Make it happen.
1: I mean, he's played, he's played well enough. And, um, you talk about, uh, Jose Alvare- uh, Alvarado and, um, just I remember him at Georgia Tech. <laughs> um, I, I definitely remember him at Georgia Tech, and you know he's a uh, such an easily rootable character because of his personality, but also because of the way that um, the way that he hustles uh, and, and the way that he comes in and brings energy. Um, these aren't necessarily uh, top ten picks. <laughs> uh, these are not lottery picks that we're talking about, and so um, that's impressive. And you said something else that was, I think, really, really important. When they were sitting at three and sixteen, I never thought they would stay there, right? Because I thought that there was an adjustment that had to be had. I didn't know if Zion was coming back or not, but um, but I, there had to be some adjustment of he's not here. Let's keep let's keep going. But to think that they're in tenth place based on their start and we're not even at the all-star break yet, is unbelievable. Like, you couldn't conceive that at that time. Maybe Uh you could, you know, a few more months, you start getting close. Maybe you're in the 12-11 range, three games back of somebody. But to be so close, I mean, to be in 10th spot now, to be, I believe, three losses uh, out of ninth with the Lakers, and there are some teams above that, uh, you know, I would expect that they will continue to be in play But, I mean, they are not uh, scary whatsoever Uh, when you talk about somebody like the Timberwolves. The Timberwolves have played well. I like Anthony Edwards. Uh, But the Timberwolves don't have the best identity. I could definitely see them um, dropping down. And then the Clippers, you know, you you talk about them in in eighth, and they're a team that we don't know the the health status of Kawhi Leonard. We don't know the health status of Paul George. We believe they're coming back, but we don't know if they'll be 100% when they come back. And so, like, and not to mention the Lakers are the Lakers. And uh, I shouldn't skip over them because um, they've been a mess um, pretty much all season long, though they got, uh, I guess, a decent win against the Knicks. Well, the Knicks aren't that good. So, um, it's exciting, though, man. And if they are able to pull something at the trade deadline, um, again, I think you said it, too. It's not like they are going to win a playoff series this year but you're starting to see the pieces form into place. And you get a third fringe all-star because the guys they're talking about is like C.J. McCollum or De'Aaron Fox. They're guys that have come close maybe to making an all-star team, but they haven't made it yet. And and God forbid if they trade for Eric Gordon. I heard that too. No, no, I just no, like, no, 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 yeah, no. Let's like,
0: move on. Jesus. Move um, on. Yep.
1: But – um, if they are able to acquire somebody like that, and then put Zion with Bi with that person, with uh, a Herb Jones, with with some of those other guys in a trade like that, oh, it's a whole, it's just a whole new world uh, at that point. So not, that, not making predictions of a title, but you are cooking with grease.
0: At least, what, I mean, it, it's with something that I think fans have been waiting for for a while, and we're hoping to see you know, form two years ago, and then this would be year three of that, but whatever, at least it's forming. All right, Seth, before we uh, we chat about the Super Bowl, do want to hit on Alvin Kamara for a moment. You know, he was in Vegas for the Pro Bowl and uh, got reports last night that he had been arrested uh, for an incident in a nightclub. You know, there weren't a, a ton of, what a ton of information at first, um, but an arrest was made, and Uh, NFL player which is in the uh, police department's uh, press release they sent out uh, resulting in substantial bodily harm said the victim was battered by the suspect says the investigation is still ongoing I know a lot's gonna probably you know we'll learn a lot here in the coming days Uh, I for something like this we don't know anything about the victim the report the allegation at this point I I I know people have been emailing me asking me. It's like, I, I, it's certainly not good. I mean, you know, it's, it's bad when any player gets arrested in, in this regard in terms of the Saints, you know, arguably their best player. But there's still a lot, um, I don't know. I, it, it, there's really not much more I can add to it other than it's not good and let's see what happens next. But I, I didn't want us to go through this whole conversation without bringing it up either.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> and it's it, last off season was just a lot of stuff happened. And, obviously, um, we're talking um, a different deal with with Sean Payton um, leaving, but um, this offseason has already been pretty busy uh, for the Saints. And, um, yeah, there's not much that we know right now. We hope that uh, the person is okay. But, um, but yeah, it's not – I mean, obviously it's not good. You know, it's not what you want. It's not what you want from your star player. Your star player that was in Vegas for the Pro Bowl, um, so he was out there for an NFL event. Um, and so, uh, no, it's not, a, it's not a good look, but, you know, in fairness to Alvin, you know, we have to uh, wait to hear more details before we can um, really say much.
0: Uh, Seth Lewis, our guest. All right, Seth, Super Bowl week. Uh, I'm talking to a number of players this week that played in Super Bowls, talked to Brandon Stokely last hour. Uh, this game... Rams are the favorite. Rams are at home though, that's not really a home whenever in the NFC title game they're having to do silent counts and you know goal line situations. But point is, you know, it's it's two different franchises. One they're trading first round picks, they're making trades, they're 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 worrying about the cap later. They're spending whatever they have to get. They've got an owner that was, you know, willing to spend a billion dollars just to leave one city, get a stadium in another. And then you got the Bengals that are, you know, I mean, getting back to the Rams, Stan, Stan Cranky, he, Crunky, he he married into the Walton family who owned Walmart. He was already rich himself. And then you go to the Bengals and, well, you know, you got Mike Brown who – uh you know inherited the team it's a family-run business he doesn't trade away picks he doesn't really like to pay play I mean the highest paid player on the Bengals is Trey Hendrickson who's earning every penny by the way but like you Mm -hmm. know I I was making jokes last week I'm like I'm sure I'm sure uh their owner's probably looking to see how they can bust to LA he's probably upset he has to you know charter a few flights out there for the team but just two very different teams um both four seeds it, it's it's wild that we got to this point you've got seven players with louisiana ties on the bengals you have three on the rams you've got you got you got some local flavors you always do in the super bowl i mean when you have as many players in the league as you do from this state whether they were Absolutely. born here or played college ball here it's going to happen every year it was 11 last season it's 10 this season but um i don't know man it 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 feels like a fun matchup it feels like a random matchup in a lot of ways what to you, as we have just a few more minutes left here, what is the most intriguing aspect of this Super Bowl to Seth Lewis?
1: The most intriguing aspect of this Super Bowl, I mean, you know, leave it to me to be hyper local, but uh, the most intriguing aspect of this Super Bowl to me is just really what's on the line for Joe Burrow. I, I mentioned that um, earlier, but I mean, winning a national championship, a Heisman, and a Super Bowl. In three years, not to mention, uh, you know, doing it at LSU, not as crazy, right? Like, they hadn't won a championship in 12 years at that point. They hadn't been to the national championship in eight years at that point. But, like, I think LSU is recognized as a program in college football that you can win a championship, you know what I mean? Um, If you got – the right pieces and ingredients and whatnot, but it's the way that they made that run, which was absolutely remarkable and something that we've never seen at LSU and still have never seen as far as the way they did it on offense. That was the, the part that was unbelievable. But man, he got he dragging the Bengals to the Super Bowl. So their offensive line is trash. It's trash right now. <laughs> yeah, and it's in the Super Bowl. Like it's wild. And when you talk, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Like, like I, I honestly don't know if Joe Burrow, the magic and the swag of Joe Burrow, didn't rub off on Patrick Mahomes the wrong way because he came out looking like, I don't know, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in the second half. Like, he came, he came out looking not great. <laughs> he came out looking like Ian Book. I don't know what was going on with Patrick Mahomes in the second half. And, and so you talk about that, and then when you start talking about, like, even sports, like, the closest thing I can think of to something like that, uh, and, and I can't even take credit for it, I, I heard it somewhere, was, uh, like, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, like, what he did at UCLA and then what he was able to do so fast in the NBA as far as, I believe he was the MVP and won a, uh, a NBA championship in his second year. Um, and then, um, you know, obviously he won at UCLA. I mean, when you're talking about Miss Kareem, Like in the sentence, when talking about just this type of run from college to the NBA, that's some rarefied air.
0: Well, yeah, he's not I mean, he's not Kareem. I mean he's not like the best player of all time or one of the best, but
1: No, but he might have had the best season of all time for a college. You're right.
0: I mean, it's true. It's true. It's true. I mean it's it's, the weird thing is it's not like it's not like he's playing that way in the pros. I mean, statistically, but not to say he's not playing really good, because he is. It's just in these playoffs. Like it, it, all I know is this: you know, I, I said this to Brandon Soakley last hour. If this game is not close, it means the Rams won. But if this Absolutely. game is close in the like midway through the fourth quarter, who are you trusting more? The bi- I, like I said, Joe Burrow in in, in Zach should. Taylor or or Sean McVay oh. who's gonna probably throw out like you know every t- challenges he doesn't have by the time you're at the like two minute mark of quarter number one like you're trusting this Burrow which is crazy that you would say that Um and yet if you watch it 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 makes total sense so if it's a close game late I I think Cincinnati is winning for anybody that wants to do live you know live in game bets but if it's yeah. if it's not close. It feels like the Rams' talent and you know their D line and all that. It'll just be overwhelming. Oh, but I tell you what, man, if this thing is close in the fourth or if the Bengals start like a, a some kind of comeback, ooh, I mean Sean McVay is going to start sweating out of every pore in his body. And meanwhile, uh, that's that would be that that would be fun. That would be. I mean, what I don't want, Seth, is just some blowout. I mean, that's come on. We've come too yeah, far. We had the best divisional round ever. We had a great championship Sunday. You know, eight days ago, just give us a good finish, man. I, I, yes, I want it. We all want it. Just give us a great finish to the season.
1: That's all. I, that's that's all I really want to. Um, there's people to be happy for on both sides, you know, locally. Tyler Shelvin uh, has been getting some burn in the playoffs, uh, especially in these last two games. Um, and it and was in on the big fourth down stop um, against the Titans in the divisional round. Um, Lafayette kid obviously went to. The, uh, Northside and went to Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame yeah. and went to LSU as well. And then you take, talk about somebody like Raymond Colley, um, who hasn't played this year due to injury, but um, is with the Rams and uh, played for the Cajuns, is from Cecilia. Like, like there are people to be happy for on top of the other ties, right? When you talk about Joe Burrow, when you talk about maybe an Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, on the Rams or Andrew Whitworth, on the rounds, Like, there are people to be happy for on both sides. But, um, but yeah, that's all I want to see. I want to see a close game. And it's crazy you said that because I told somebody with the Chiefs and the Bengals, I'm like, I, I really – i I'll be honest. I thought that the Chiefs were going to kind of run away with it. Yeah. Because I was like, well, the Chiefs kind of been there, done that. And as much as I believe in Joe, it's not a not believing in Joe. It's like, well, I don't, I don't believe in the Joes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I believe in Joe. I don't believe in the Joes that he plays with. And yet, um, but I was like, man, if that game is close, Chiefs might be in trouble. And lo and behold, somehow, someway, after jumping out to a 21-3 to lead on the doorsteps of entering the end zone for a 24-28-3 to lead, um, and they don't score, all of a sudden the game flips in the second half. So um, I'm hoping for a good game. I am hoping uh, for an entertaining halftime show too, (laughs) Uh, because it it seems like it should be pretty entertaining. But um, but that's that's all I want, and and to seal off what would officially be the greatest playoff ever, probably. Wouldn't wouldn't you say? If it's if
0: it's a great Super Bowl, yeah, from top to bottom, no doubt. (laughs) Seth Lewis has been our guest, spending the second hour with us. Uh, give him a follow on Twitter if you're not already, at SethLewisInc, Seth I N C. Check out everything he and the crew are doing over at KATC-TV3. He is the KATC-TV3 sports director. He is my friend, friend of the program, friend to all. Seth, I appreciate you spending this Monday morning with me, man. All the best, and uh, we'll be seeing you this week at, at one of these sporting events we have to cover, but uh, it's good, man. It, it beats working for a living, you know?
1: i'm about to say it's crossover season baby let's
0: get to it let's get to it man it's not going anywhere you can't run from it appreciate the time
1: appreciate you man
0: all right tomorrow on the great scott show coach jerry glasgow coach marlin coach broadhead jay walker as well as he is every maybe the saints will have a head coach by the time we talk tomorrow morning who knows we're going to get into it but we went long this hour. I won't apologize. It was worth it. We will go right into the Dan Patrick Show right after this on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticketed sports.